second episode of Interactive Intimacy. Um, I'm Michael. I'm one of your hosts. Uh, also hosting, we have Lara. Say hello, Lara. Hello, Lara. <laughs> Why, thank you. Uh, and Claire. Hello. Hello, indeed. Well, uh, we have uh, a slightly less explicitly sexy game to talk about this time, which I don't think is any bad thing whatsoever, because it's still a lovely, interesting game. And that game is... VA-11 Hall A. Yeah, that. Um, or Valhalla, for more convenient pronunciation. That's definitely the thing to say. Valhalla, a, um, a wonderful little story game. Um, do we know who it's made by? Uh, Sukaban Games, is it? Yeah, a small little Venezuelan. developer, it seems. Um, and published by... Isbird? Something like that. Yeah, Isbird or something. Um, a sort of, inter- uh, like... Uh, startup um, games platform acceleration thing. Yep, they had a they had a room at this year's um, uh, res, and it was full of very interesting stuff. Yeah, and um, also shout out to Cassandra because she gave us codes, which was lovely, and also she gave a lovely talk at um, the last video brains. So shout out to her. Um, so yeah, uh, does someone want to give a quick rundown of what this game actually is? I try, but I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very complex beast, actually. Surprisingly complex. Claire, do you want to give it a go? It, well, it's a... At its core, it's a visual novel, but... I'm trying to remember what they actually call it in the tagline now. It's like... Because it's something about an action bartending scene. Yeah. Uh, because, yes, it's a visual novel uh, <laughs> where you play a specific character but you do not have any dialogue choices. The um, only way that you can um, affect the story is that you are a bartender and you are serving the people that come in drinks and you can choose what you serve them, whether to give them the drink that they asked for or something else. Um, or get them very pissed. Put, how much <laughs> alcohol to put in, the, that sort of thing. Yes, whether to get them pissed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of lovely when you do. Um so yeah, it's sort of a visual novel, but also just a basic interactive fiction and straddles that line very neatly. Um, yeah, Laura, do you, do you ha- have anything in your mind that this reminds you of? Does this like actually bring anything to mind? Yeah, the only thing that slightly reminded me of was called um, Cook, Serve, Delicious now, oh, but yeah. it used to be called something else. Yeah, it's very cute. Very different from this, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's... I don't know. It just that's what it reminded me of because it's there was no time limit in making your drinks or anything. At least I didn't know if there was. Uh but it felt like it's Well that's an interesting thing, but uh, oh, I'll leave that one. Out. Okay. See, so that's that's one of the interesting things about this game. It's not clear where the game is. Yeah, that's probably a really good place to start. So sh- should we just quickly explain the game the only gamey aspect of this entire Innovator Commons game? which is the bartending of this bartending simulator. Um, we'll get onto the waifus in a bit. They'll come in a bit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you have some ingredients and a list of recipes and you get tasked with remembering what people have asked for or ordered and making them a cocktail in this slightly divey cocktail bar that you serve at. And it's very, very simple. It's You drag an ingredient into a mixer You select whether it takes a while or whether it's a quick drink, whether it has ice or no ice, and then you serve it. And that is the entire game. Apparently, there are some minor dialogue changes in the game. And ultimately, the uh, endings you see depend on whether you are successful or it were perfect more than that um, in your drink selection. 
But um, it was a remarkably uneventful and relaxed and simple um, little mechanical thing just tacked on to what is essentially clicking through a story and ex- like exploring these characters. Like, what was your guys' experience, you guys' experience of um, the, the, like, the gamey aspect and how it impacted on how you experienced the story? Mm-hmm. Well, it sort of differed over the, the course of the game for me in that it, it started out with me getting kind of worried because like, we, we played a visual novel before and I've played a few visual novels. And often it's really clear how you influence choi- uh, how your choices sort of influence what you're doing. And here it was very vague, and at first I got really worried, like, am, like, is what I'm doing going to lead to anything interesting? But then as the story went on, I found that it doesn't really matter, and I thought, well, maybe there is no real influence at all, I don't know. Yeah, like, it turns out there is a certain way of influencing the game, but for me, I was actually happy to play it out as it went by, and I didn't get the good ending, but the bad ending wasn't bad at all, so it wasn't bad. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's a a game that really doesn't put any obstacles in your way in terms of allowing you to just roleplay, that there is no like, oh, you did badly, or yeah, you're you're doing this great, here's here's an immediate Skinnerbox benefit. I mean, there is, in in so far as you you get wages, um, but the thing that I was uh, thinking about with respect to a time limit, um, so before the game proper... There was uh, there's a demo which is a standalone encounter that happens, sort of implied the day before, but a short time before the game itself. And before that, there was a sort of prologue, which again is, doesn't feature anywhere in the game. And the prologue uh, was quite um, was more challenging in terms of the mechanics, um, in that it did have a time limit. Also playing that meant that I knew all the keyboard shortcuts, which was convenient because, like, you have to drag and drop the individual what? components, which is nice and tactile initially and then just gets really boring. <laughs> I, lo- I love the feeling of the dragging and the dropping, but there were keyboard shortcuts. I did not know. That's yeah, so it never tells you, you but that? they're the same keyboard shortcuts as the prologue. So I just tried them and they worked. <laughs> Fair enough. What a nice one. Congratulations on having a marginally more efficient experience. For this game. <laughs> well, well, it was it was useful when I played there a second time. Fair enough. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, so they very explicitly toned down the the gamey aspect yeah. of it for the the full game. Yeah. Nice, nice, and I I think that sort of must work in its favour. Another thing that I also noticed they changed engine. From the demo to the yeah. um, the main game, the uh, demo was in Rempire thing, and this one is in Game Maker, which feels very much like a deliberate. We want to move away from the model of a visual novel, yeah. Both in terms in of visual style, which is a big component of this, and it's a hyper stylized and very pretty game. Mm. But also, I think in terms of its attitude of like, we talked a lot last time about. Um, you do a thing, if you are successful, you get rewarded with improved character interactions. And if you fail at it, you don't get rewarded or you get penalized. And I, I feel that the, the game actively tried to avoid that sort of model of interaction. And it felt a lot more real and a lot more natural because of it. I mean, also, the, the I imagine the shift in engines has come from the fact that they... I've not played with Empire a ton. It's possible and in fact christine love has demonstrated that you can pull that thing apart and pull it back together and do interesting things with it um 
But you say that all you can do is mix drinks, but that's not entirely true. You go back home and read the internet. Oh, yeah. You go to the <laughs> shop and buy things to spruce up your home, um, which has a minor mechanical element to it. Which I really liked, actually. Yeah, it, it, it again felt like everything feeding towards just you, I wouldn't say emulating, but just having a vague, simple representation of what real life is like. Or this particular dystopian version of real life in 20-something Glitch City. Yeah. It is actually one very small point that I just really appreciated about it, was that in some quite dense, heavy conversations, they they allow there to be like uh, this sort of pause and break that you could take what's it turns out to be an infinite amount of time over to consider the conversation you just had peruse the drinks menu just take a little bit of a breather before you throw yourself back into a conversation yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah exactly the the point about that little mechanical thing where if you don't buy stuff you get distracted <laughs> and do badly at your job leads us very nicely onto the 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 world that this game portrays and is built in all of its little details so yeah just what, what do we think about it like Glitch City 20XX. Yeah. It's super interesting, but it's uh, it felt kind of cliched, but it explores it in a really non-cliché way, which is nice. Yeah, totally agree with that. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, I, I just think to, to start off with the sort of plot points, like this is a very schlocky Blade Runner-esque sci-fi dystopia mm -hmm. um, with uh, human robots called Lilim, which must be an Evangelion reference or... That something is wrong with the world if that's not an Evangelion reference. I didn't take it as an Evangelion reference. I just took. What it. did you take it as? I'm interested now. Uh, exactly what they eventually explain it as at some point, which is the Daughters of Lilith. The Daughters of Lilith makes total sense. It's just that, like, the the play on how human are we actually, yeah. and the, firstly, and the second level of the amount of cultural reference in to all sorts yeah. of media, whether that's explicitly to William Gibson or I, I kept thinking I was seeing Netrunner references in there yeah. as well which I it sort, of, sort of think is inevitable but yeah um, it, it's sort of a treasure trove of little hints and winks towards um, traditional like cyberpunk and they explicitly bill it as a cyberpunk game with all the trappings that that involves but um, well, it just happens to be really well executed. Mm. Um, and I think my favourite part of it is just the soundtrack, which is utterly glorious. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, it sort of flits between, like, vibrant, pumping 80s synth pop and very mellow, down-tempo sort of yeah. electro-jazz stuff. Very weird. And I, I found myself, because I was playing it late at night on in a rainy, rainy June, July, that, like, obviously I switched towards the down-tempo stuff and, like, get a whiskey out and mix drinks along with the game <laughs> and just have a very slow burning like smoldering emotional experience with this and the the soundtrack and the the little habits of selecting music for the evening every time you start a shift it's just a wonderful little way of making sure you're like connected to the world and like something that is like passive and goes on all the time is like the soundtrack and the jukebox that's yeah. playing in your bar. But you you have an active part of building that and in a really simple, natural way. Yeah, it's, lovely. it's a very strange role. Oh, it's, it's, um, it's a very good role-playing experience. Mm, definitely. And like, like we said, it gives you very few reasons not to just role-play really naturalistically. Mm, which made me just click through the um, jukebox part and just go for the game because... There were so many songs, and I didn't really <laughs> have 
the time. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I, I was so gripped by how good the music was. I decided to like literally give a preview to most of the tracks and decide what I wanted to play. I, I was finding myself like having my playlist of 10 songs and then deciding, oh, is who do I think is going to come in today? What music will they like? And what does that mean I should put mm. first? And then putting the, the, the rest of the playlist mm. on shuffle. So yeah, no, I, I think the music is absolutely spectacular. Um, and yeah, no, um, the, uh, the composer who we will link to in the description um, has put up the entirety of the soundtrack on YouTube as a single long playing video. So if you are interested, just give it a, give it a check out. It's absolutely lovely. Uh, just synth loveliness to, to enjoy. Cool. So yeah, no, um, there are people who do inhabit this world. That is a that is a, a major part of this game, given that the entirety of it is <laughs> clicking through dialogue. So the sorts of characters there are, the sorts of humans and non-humans there are, of, of varying varieties. Uh, yeah, so I mean, there's a, a fair variety in there. There's, what, about a dozen different characters that turn up at the bar at some point, and then the people that you work with, who are primarily two people. Um, Jill, though it's more convenient to call him Gil, because the main character is also called Jill, who is a boy brought in by your boss who has something of a mysterious past. Everyone seems to have a mysterious past in this game. Some of them are more mysterious Okay, fair enough, fair enough. (laughs) And your boss, who is Dana, is a very uh, sort of caring boss uh she gives you very generous bonuses every single day <laughs> well there's, there's the one day where she's like I, i'm tired of making up excuses for this have some money it, you do get the sense of like characters who actually have a history and who know each other they, they seem comfortable with each other and, and like tolerate their like idiosyncrasies and weirdnesses so gil your um fellow bartender um he runs away on a regular basis he apparently is a history as a political activist or something along those lines, maybe slightly criminal or underworldly. So yeah, he just disappears from time to time and your boss is okay with that because that's what Gil does. And yeah, just that's fine. And it, it felt like a very, well, I mean, maybe it's the first time we bring this up. It felt like a very considered and quite adult way of fleshing out relationships to say like, there is some like push and pull in terms of the trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, what I'm, what I'm curious about, like, um, we were mentioning already like the other characters, but we didn't really go into who Jill herself is that much, did we? Because yeah, um, compared to other games, like Jill is very much her own character, and because you don't have that many choices in this game, she like she's clearly a person anyways, and she will clearly be her own person. So you can't really be her, I think. Mm. Well, you can. You can like it's it's like more like a story character like a book character rather than some kind of character of like player character absolutely but yeah she definitely also has her own history and um her own way of being talking to people and we'll probably get into that as we go but just wanted to mention that yeah no definitely and again it's the game deserves like serious credit for being willing to say no you don't get to do whatever you want you are you you are this person in a world like have this experience and think about the the problems in their lives and the and the considerations they have to make. But yeah, on a on a slightly grander level, we have been talking exclusively about humans so far, and there are a variety of non-humans in this world. Um, one, as previously mentioned, are the Lilim, the sort of animate robots who have AI personalities and their own like jobs and lines of work and stories to tell, as well as dogs. Talking dogs. There are several talking dogs. It's very odd. Mm. 
they're all Shivas, which is cute. Well, the two, the, the two in the main game are Shivas. Um, the ones that... Oh, but that, that's said in the prologue. But those are Corgis. Yeah, the Corgis. Oh, my God. Are they, like, practically <laughs> the same? Yeah, the... the um... Kind of, but also no. Like, one is twee English uh, owned by the Queen, and the other is, like internet's own like it feels like they were going for like here's a comic relief character but let's make it a dog because we'll do a meme we're doing mm-hmm. a meme look at us we're doing a meme which i mean i can forgive it at some point but oh god i don't like dogs i really dislike <laughs> dogs and we don't need a cool idiot dog with shades no we don't and <laughs> that said apparently he is he does bring in customers which is always nice yeah i mean i found that the most interesting thing with Radshiba was how other people sorry just say his name again and slowly he is the raddest of shibas oh yeah because <laughs> yeah. he's wearing a hawaiian shirt and sunglasses that makes him rad but yeah he's really boring but because he's just <laughs> wacky yeah. yeah, it's all he is. Um, but the way that other characters respond to him is interesting, just because, like, having that little piece of information, whether or not they like dogs, is just a nice extra bit of fleshing out. Yeah, yeah, that, like, yeah. It's very funny. Totally. Some people can become completely enamoured with him, and, uh, like, Others Jill and Dorothy not. are utterly uninterested. Yeah, and occasionally terrified. Yeah, them. exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we should we should start by saying your character Jill is very much a cat person. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> Let's should we probably start talking about the the um, clientele that you interact with because this this is really where the heart and soul of the game is. It's your interactions with the people who mm. at various points are running into your bar for some unknown reason, or the regulars that you build up a, a longer term relationship with. It's it's fun that you mentioned the regulars you've built up over a longer time because. Um... A surprising amount of characters show up without introduction, but without being no like without being unknown. Like there's a what I found like you you're getting presented with new characters early on in the game, but then later on in the game you get people coming in that Jill actually already knows, and that's that was at first like surprising and confusing, and it's it's kind of nice, but that like even like even more reinforced the distance that you have uh, with like being like a player character as Jill and... Though at the same time, I think they've got some... I think they tried not to overwhelm you too much with these pre-existing relationships because of the... With the exception of when the sort of plot about Jill later on comes in, you've only got two characters... Well, I mean, even her she she doesn't count as a regular. The only actual regulars who have been coming to the bar from before the game starts are Dorothy and Jamie. All of the other people are new. So you're responding to these people as Jill is responding in some ways. Like, who is this person? And what are they doing <laughs> in my bar? Um, well, you say, you say that as if they're not meant to do that. Oh, clients, I actually have to serve. Actually pouring drinks is mad. <laughs> well, several of them do kind of provoke that response. <laughs> several oh. of them are lovely, but... No, I meant it like, you do get totally eased into it, which is fine, but uh, there's this part... Yeah. Well, one thing that just helps with that is the game is slow. It's yeah. very gentle with the way it treats characters, and each conversation is long and kind of 
in most cases, relaxed and kind of drawn mm-hmm. out and you get the opportunity to think about it and helpfully some drinks breaks to um, sit back and consider like, do I want to keep engaging this person or do I want to get them rat us because I dislike them? Or do I want to serve them something very wrong to piss them off and get them to not come back? Because y- you have the space to think about that in that way and decide whether these characters are sympathetic or not. You don't have any like limited information decisions to make it it feels very gentle and very like rewarding in that sense so uh, are there any characters we think particularly caught our fancy yeah definitely i was very charmed by both alma and dorothy and sunny actually and jill as well it's like it's uh, i liked alma a lot alma seems like the closest thing to a best friend exactly yeah 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 like she was the most close to jill personally and that was very nice And, and it's lovely that you get a character who, like, they make a lot of comments about the fact that she gets nicknamed Big Titty Hacker because she has a lot of boobs. She so has many boobs, a lot like of five boobs. boobs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I should have used a, a different collective noun. So much boobs. that That's probably better. But yeah, um, she's obviously a, a sexual character and she talks about relationships in an explicit way. And your character is known to be attracted to women. And you have at no point any insinuation that you're attracted to her. You are like close platonic friends and you are just relaxing each other's company and you talk about your intimacies in a really natural like comfortable mm. way which again like if it sounds odd to say this but like that's kind of remarkable and kind of exciting to see done so well like it it, it should be said this game is like well written it made me laugh lots it made me like sit back and go oh wow a couple of times mm-hmm. it actually like made me want to be with these characters a lot yeah. and it, like i have to really congratulate the writers for doing such a great job of, like constructing those relationships yeah and with, with respect to jill's attraction i really appreciated that she was bi and it was never pointed out it's just like people talked about her attractions to men and her attractions to women and yeah. never went sort of whoa you like both how shocking <laughs> or either she's either bi or she's a lesbian who has had a lot of prior experience with men because there is a conversation that you have with uh boss about how hilarious she finds penises there's the um time when you take your boss back to uh your flat and you're mm. drinking beer which is a sudden mechanical change you've got, like, suddenly got this button for drinking beer and if you drink <laughs> all of it then you get jill drunk and she starts going on about her first sexual encounters meat rod and how she couldn't deal with it because it was a hilarious meat rod <laughs> i did not know about yeah. this i will go and have to, i will have to go and back and actually get jill drunk given that again the game is so good at role playing that i had to like temper the amount of booze i was yeah. drinking i decided no jill is too careful with alcohol she would never get rata stuff well, she has a cybernetic liver. beer uh, th- that that is true um you brought dorothy up and i think dorothy is a fascinating Mm. character yeah but like very intriguingly handled and yeah like um i don't want to do her any uh injustice in how i'll describe her but she's a lilim so one of the artificial humans and um the way lilims work is that they start out like sort of like basic which means they look like children uh, and then they can get upgrades, which can make them look more adult. Um, but she's opted to stay uh, in her sort of basic version as far as her looks go. So she's very childlike looking. And she's a sex worker. 
which is um, handled in quite a really good way, I must say. Um, and yeah, not just in the fact that it it doesn't make a big deal out yeah. of it, but also the fact that she's really candid and like excited about her job, and she has like pride in yeah. it. Yeah, which it's very it's that's actually like a step beyond uh, what I expect is like a a reasonable basis. It's like an actual positive exploration mm -hmm. of it in the way that I haven't seen in many places at yeah. all. Never mind a game. Yeah. Yeah, it's very it's um very refreshing. Yeah, no, it, I must say I. Like for personal reasons, I I really found it quite inspiring, um, mm. and I was quite bummed out I couldn't spend more time with her in game because I was curious to her. <laughs> like I was like, what? and like that was my only sort of like issue with not understanding how the game mechanics worked at all. And I felt like I could be able to talk with her more or get more out of her story, but I don't know how. Um, if you didn't get her ending, then there was probably at least one... There, there'll be one conversation you missed. But as the thing is, by and large, there's... It's not just subtle changes you can get by the drinks that you give people. It, you can have a couple of major changes, but they're fairly few and far between. Mm, yeah. And the ones that connect to endings are always about remembering stuff about drinks. It's You get Alma's uh, ending Favorite by drink, remembering yeah. uh, what she likes to drink. You get um, you get Dorothy's ending by remembering both hers and size, I think. Um, and it's, yeah, spotting the time when she asks for something weird and you don't give it to her. You just, yeah. Because she's asking for it because she's upset and you give her something comforting instead. Mm -hmm. just a way of proving that you know her and have a that's kind of intimate relationship yeah 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 yeah. Hmm. yeah yeah i could i couldn't really i can't really go into dorothy more without like worrying about like making it weird uh but yeah it's i don't know as a character she made me feel like like she's she's super sex positive in a very very nice ways a uh, way and she's like you said candid and very playful about it um but the other nice thing is that other people aren't offended by it either, which is something that like even like even further um, makes it like a positive thing rather than something that's being looked down upon or shunned by other people. And you see the starts of friendships between your your regulars emerge as they arrive at similar times and get chatted. Mm -hmm. That they have respect for each other and are interested in what each other. Yeah, are like. exactly. So in terms of the other relationships that emerge, I think. One that I I thought sort of hinged into the plot the most comfortably and interestingly was Say and Stella's. Oh, right, yeah. Yep. Which, uh, it was just a, a very sort of pic like picturesque love story in the end, which, I, yeah, something about that being both like lesbian relationship and also between human law enforcement and uh, the, the Lilim cat girl. Just, well, she she's not a Lillian, She's not a Lillian. No. What? Oh. Oh, she got... Okay, this is where the, the classifications start to become very murky. Well, it was a, it was a mixture of things because the... Uh, one of the sort of concepts is that everyone has these nanomachines. Um, and there's... It's a bit nebulous on exactly what the sort of general ones do, but the, like, the implication is that they're intended to control the population, but Glitch City is specifically where all this stuff gets tested first. 
it's like you you can get all this incredible medical procedures, but it's like incredibly risky and everyone's really poor and they'll just experiment on you. Um, but yeah, some people reject the nanomachines. And if the nanomachines are rejected whilst the child is still in utero, then there's a procedure that can be done which gives them cat ears, but they're not ears, they're just appendages that move. But for all intents and purposes, she's a cat Yeah. Girl. She she looks conveniently like a cat girl, yes. And then it became trendy for a while. So you have the cat boomers, a la baby boomers. Yeah. Where like pe- people had the procedure even though their children weren't uh, susceptible to the rejection because it was trendy to have kids with the ears. Uh, yeah. But I think she specifically did have the rejection and it yeah, wasn't. Yeah, exactly. Uh, her parents didn't choose to have it done. They had to have it done or lose her. So yeah, just in terms of her relationship with... Uh, say who is a quote-unquote white knight which is this city's version of a police force it seems police force combined with espionage agency combined with bureaucracy agency local government yeah (laughs) which also just the name is kind of hilarious and it feels like a very active reclamation of it which i kind of appreciated actually Mm. see it it, this game is a very sort of fuck you playful attitude yeah yeah, yeah. um but yeah um there were moments of jeopardy i'd say as in people go missing people get worried about each other's Mm -hmm. safety some quite dramatic plot wise things happen and you end up being the sort of source of comfort and the a place of security in what feels like a very chaotic very confusing world Mm -hmm. and i i sort of relish the opportunity to be that person it felt like a, a very like rewarding thing to be doing to two people you like yeah one thing I did want to touch on was how it dealt with masculinity, because this is presented, its tagline is variously um, the action bartending simulator, but there is limited action. The other title is waifu bar- bartending simulator, because there are lots of anime waifus for you to crush on and serve drinks to. Yeah. But the, I, I thought the attitude to masculinity was actually really fascinating, because uh, while the cast is like female heavy, there are some very, very interesting characters, ranging from the absurd to the the really sympathetic Mm. so just the first character you get introduced to which i thought was a really clever move was um donovan who is the editor of a hack tabloid publication Mm -hmm. and who is quite clearly a misogynist pig (laughs) and doesn't deserve the time of day and yet somehow you I, i wouldn't say strike up an understanding but you you sort of come to a sort of tacit agreement of how to deal with each other mm-hmm. if you choose to entertain him at all. I felt that I was very close to just giving him entirely the wrong drink, making it very sour and very alcoholic and trying to get him out of my line of sight as fast as possible because he's the sort of person that I feel that Jill as a character would probably do that to. Mm-hmm. But like I was sympathetic enough to hear him out and he... Um, it's interesting that he um, acknowledges how pathetic he is, essentially. He feels like a character that like is written very specifically to be like institutionally powerful, but very aware that what he's doing is bad for himself, bad for other people, generally just not very productive and kind of destructive in the long term. Mm. And, and that it was also linked to his behavior with people and the making the correspondence between... Um, I'm a bad person to others and the misogyny is definitely a part of that and linking that to and that means that I'm a, have this negative long-term effect on the world 
thought was pretty again like very considered way of handling a like a distinctly unlikable character to make him aware enough of it and apathetic about it and i think it's interesting with that level of distance with the player character that you've got you've then got jill validating your reactions that yeah you, you can go oh he seems awful and jill will also be going in her like thoughts as you're built as you're uh, making the drink yeah mm-hmm. i really want to kick this guy out yeah you you then have your sympathies reflected back as well when he stopped when he does talk about himself um one very small little almost easter eggy character was a, a delivery boy called mario who consistently um asked for a very girly drink and then when you clarified are you sure you want that um he defaulted to a gut punch or something hyper masculine mm. and befitting of a biker and <laughs> you can coax him out of the uh, attitude of performing a very aggressive masculinity yeah and discover that apparently all the bikers like really feminine things <laughs> and um yeah and again just the fact that it, it makes it so obvious and clear that it's it's sort of on your side that it it, it feels similar similar to you and like it, it's a game very much pitched at its audience given how aware of its like political position it is mm-hmm. but um I, I liked just well, I appreciated how upfront it was with just saying, "Yeah, this is bullshit. We can we can play around with this and have a a fun, even slightly mechanically interesting way of interacting with it." Yeah. Hey, it's the cyberpunk future. Anything is possible. Everything is possible, including men drinking girly drinks <laughs> on on bikes, inspired by it, specific anime movies that are hyper masculine. <laughs> Um, I think I should just give a well, we should just give a shout out to Vahilio. Oh yeah, who is an absolute nutter. Well, he's interesting, yeah. but I don't entirely want to talk about it because it would be a bit too much of a spoiler. No, can we reference? Can we at least say where he's originally from? Oh, is he from something? Oh yeah, he he's he's a Jim Starling shout out. He's um character that Jim Sterling has used a handful of times for talking about art games. In that accent, art games. They are art games. Games are art and I'm artistic and I'm an art critic. And and I understand these games and you couldn't possibly, but I'm here to explain them to you. In that inimitable Jim Sterling way. Mm. Um, again, another one of those characters that you could very quickly dismiss out of hand. And I, I say that quite frequently with these male characters because... That seems to be like a, a an interesting starting point to say that systematically men are horrible to women. Uh, this is the what you experience. But can we find out why that's the case, or can we, like through interaction, develop a better understanding? And it, clearly, obviously, you do if you choose to. But again, another character that I, I honestly did just serve very sour drinks in the hope that he would never come back. Uh, for some reason, I deemed sour and bitter drinks were the right way to piss people off. Just going back towards the attitude towards sexuality, I think one character that is pretty remarkable and kind of just, it's treated as comedy, but it's actually really, really interesting and really disturbing in a lot of ways, is Streaming Chan. Oh, yeah. I kind of forgot about her. I didn't like her. Yeah, she sort of appears out of nowhere and takes over the game for a rather long period of time with... Um, this is the only time where the game breaks its own interface of like here is a window where you can look at your patrons and here is where you serve the drinks when streaming chan arrives she is a very excitable 19 20 year old or so 
Um, and she is constantly vlogging her entire life for an audience of several tens of thousands. Mm-hmm. And whenever you are interacting with her, comments from her adoring fans stream across your interface and the music changes to Streaming Chan's theme, because of course it does. <laughs> and of course she has a sponsored theme tune. Um, and she's incredibly obnoxious and uh, like it's the one period where the game isn't intensely relaxing yeah. and quite like slow and rewarding. But um, you sort of figure out that um, the reason that she's in your, in inverted commas, seedy establishment is because she needs to find adventurous, exciting ways for people to, to observe her and apparently going to a seedy bar where she might get hit on or she, she might do something exciting or even she might get drunk and that's illicit enough. And that's what, how she's going to obtain her audience and keep them watching. Yeah, it's pretty absurd, isn't it? <laughs> it's really absurd. And you find out, well, again, trying to limit spoilers, but like, it, yeah, a 20-year-old getting drunk and being vulnerable is an appealing thing, apparently, to tens of thousands of people. Yeah, I might remember this wrong as I kind of clicked through it because I was very annoyed with like the different change in pace and um, it wasn't really my thing, but I didn't feel that like her surroundings, like the people around her, not the 10,000 viewers, were like, they, they tried to sort of like, um, well, they definitely tried to help her out and treat her in a way where she might feel a bit different about it. Yeah, that like you get almost get the sense that you were doing her a favor by treating her as a human and not yeah, you, entertainment product. Yeah. And yeah, that like it's astonishing how her, her life actually gets conflated between the two. Like at various points she is like engaging person to talk to despite the blaring music. But at other points she literally just stops what she's doing and has an infomercial about if you pay the 700 whatever it is currencies a month um you can see her in the shower and that's a thing you can do and that you sell to your internet audience it it just the way that bodies sort of get commodified in a in a really mundane way um and it's sort of bashed up against dorothy for example who is uh, that like you could view her as like commodified human she is constructed if not for the purpose, but like with the very real possibility that yes, she will be a um, a Lilum who will be a sex worker, and that is her role in society, and she fulfills that really well. But um, the the exploitation isn't just a one way thing. That and in other cases, fulfillment actually involves either depersonalizing or commodifying yourself in a really disturbing way, and that the difference between the two is a a lot more a lot more grain, a lot more complex than um than most narratives would let you believe. Yeah, it's, it, she is a complex character just because there are very few frames of reference for her. Like, we can think about YouTube stars mm. now, but even as much as we think we're entitled to, the, to a view into other people's lives, we, we um, haven't quite got to the point where it's as pervasive as we know it can be. And I'm sure at some point, oh, like... Uh, I mean... So this, on a... On a Raw level, like there are going to be people who literally on livestream.com will depict nearly every moment of their waking life. Mm. But um, I still don't think we've, it's quite become a mass cultural phenomenon that like we haven't figured out a way to commodify people's existence in a way that I think we all collectively expect we can. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because you have the sort of first, oh, what was her name? Uh, Jenny, Jenny Cam, which was back in like 
uh, like the 90s, I guess, mid-90s, uh, which was just a girl, like the first cam girl in inverted commas, but it was just a college girl who installed a webcam in her dorm room on in the sort of early days of the internet. And that was massively popular for its time. Well, that's just black and white images of someone's dorm room as she goes about her life. Like, that, that's, that's a thing that's been around for as long as, for, well, not as long as the internet, as long as webcams have been around. Mm, no, I've, I've just pulled up the Wikipedia page. Um, yeah. So what I, I think is the sort of difference in kind that the game is trying to explore is the, the fact that the technology exists doesn't yet mean that we've decided to use it in either its full capacity or exploiting it economically. And that I think streaming chan is sort of pitched as like, this is what happens when uh, like models of employment just get extended into the, into the very fundamentals of your life. So that Jenny Cam probably, I'm guessing here, but I don't think Jenny Cam probably made much ad revenue, for example. Let's see if Web Archive still has um, circa 1999 um, internet ads. That's a good question, yeah. All right. So, were there any characters for you, like you know, like beyond Vir- Virgilio, you brought up? But um, is there anything else, anyone else that like really caught your eyes or heart, or rather anything? I was very fond of Karamiki. Oh. Karamiki is a Lilim idol, and I thought there were very interesting dynamics there in terms of where the lines are in terms of artificial because mm. like artificiality in terms of idols is such a big thing to play with anyway mm-hmm. um and then you add that she is literally artificial on top of that mm. um but then at the same time you find out a lot of stuff about this sort of personal life and and things there's one spoiler that i'll do it, it's kind of the the track to her ending uh, which you probably only ever get on your second playthrough unless you deliberately sort it out or you were very lucky. Um, where if you get her drunk the very first time you meet her, her demeanour entirely changes. And she gets very serious and she's sort of got this... Um, she's so very clearly on a mission to just make people's lives a bit better. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, that that really sort of spoke to me. Mm. Yeah, like, I have one question. This is one that you might be able to answer. Um, like, in how far is it positive to get someone drunk in this game? Like, that's... Um... Um, it varies. Um, so, as I say, with Kiramiki, you have to get her drunk at one point to actually get her ending. Mm. And you find out quite a bit about her from that. A lot of the others, um, if you get them drunk, it will just sort of... It might end the conversation early um, or differently. Mm. Like a lot of them will start getting, will start telling you personal stuff that they wouldn't otherwise tell you. Mm. Um, and some of them, you might seem, it might seem like you don't get them drunk. And then the next time they come back, they'll be like, oh, I was late for work because of you or... Oops. Or the next day, it'll turn out that they're still sleeping on the floor, which I think happens with Streaming Chan. If you get Streaming Chan drunk the first time that you meet her, then, uh, yeah, she falls unconscious and sleeps for the first time in six years or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was six days, good (laughs) lord. 
if she hadn't slept in six years, I'd be even more mm. concerned. Mm. <laughs> Still, um, her getting drunk and a live stream of several thousand people getting really excited at a small girl on a the floor of a bar. Yeah, that's... Is, this is it's sort of what I meant when you when I say like commoditizing people's vulnerability. Mm. But yeah. Um, Streaming Chan was one of the few people I managed to get drunk because yeah, exactly. I was being conservative. And again, the role playing pl- cuts against this, that sometimes you do want to try and get people drunk, but generally like you're, you like the people you're talking to and you don't mm-hmm. want to make them either miss work or have a horrible time that evening. So that, so it does cut both ways slightly. Yeah. And yeah, the, there's a relatively mm. obvious shift in demeanor and the, they'll often tell you or start talking about things that you wouldn't normally talk about in polite company. Not that they necessarily avoid that anyway. Is it sexy stuff? <gasps> Might be. Might be. Oh, <laughs> exciting. <laughs> well, like I say, it's still my, my favourite instance of getting someone drunk is getting um, Jill drunk when she's drinking with her boss. Mm, I should have got her drunk. Because then she talks about her first sexual experience and that's quite entertaining. Hmm, I should play this game again. I, I kind of want to now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I only played through it once because it's very tedious to do it a second time. Because, but yeah. apparently there are keyboard shortcuts. <laughs> yeah. There are keyboard shortcuts, that, but the, the the problem with it is it doesn't have that thing that an awful lot of visual novels have where if you've played through a section, you can fast forward that section. Yep. So you're just sort of bashing spacebar and hoping that you notice that you're reading something that you haven't read before before you bash all the way through it. That said, like, given that it's been a little while since I finished it the first time, I think the writing stands up to being read a second time at the very least. I mean, I'm sure I will have different feelings and opinions having read it read it through once before, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it could have done so with some editing at times. Um, it's very long. But then at the same time, that's a very fine line to draw because you're depicting very rambling conversations. So so you don't want to get rid of that feel. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it does occasionally start feeling info-dumpy. Uh-huh. Uh, or at least it did to me on occasion. So yeah, who should be playing this game? You, the listener. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Sorry, was that cheesy? Um, no, I don't think so. Hmm. Well... If you're a barista or a bartender, I'm a barista, either definitely do it or don't. <laughs> that covers all the options. Yes. Well, I found two... Uh, uh, one thing, like this is a thing I wanted to mention earlier, but kept for now, because one thing I didn't notice is that because I because I come from the service industry, like is it industry? Yeah, like... Uh, I serve people and I have to give them service beyond just giving them the drinks. So my natural tendency was to just do what, to like, to give what people wanted. And that's not necessarily how you play the game. It is like 90% of the time. And you get cues when you're not. Yeah, no, that's right, that's right. Um, Um, Like from having played it where you like, uh, where I like wildly contradicted what they asked for. It doesn't it doesn't particularly help. No, true, true. A lot of it's just like cuz in terms of getting like the endings if you care about that, mm. it's so much more about remembering facts from earlier on. Yeah. And like interpreting orders that you're given, yeah. which I really liked. Like 
remembering the if say someone orders a sweet drink you can remember that they've also said that they like classy drinks so you can go through your recipe list and find something which fulfills both of those and that will often contribute to getting their ending yeah because it's just demonstrating that little bit more knowledge of them it's it's the fact that they occasionally ask for or fairly often ask for abstract orders just like i want something that is sweet or fizzy or whatever yeah no i mean like absolutely but that's it just made me feel like a bad bartender or even a bad barista because i couldn't remember them all the time so it's like yeah, this, oh, there's shit. a lot of dialogue, and you don't necessarily know what it's going to ask you to remember. Yeah, exactly. It's like like, okay, Dorothy's in shambles right now. She's ordering something weird. What does she normally order? I think this, and then it doesn't turn out to be the right drink. So that's why I didn't get her ending, I guess. Uh, yeah, the Dorothy one's really tricky. I did. I only got it second time round because I knew I, because I remembered to look for it. Yeah, but I gave because her a drink she, only she always really ordered. mentions it the very first time. Hmm. Oh well, but yeah, like that's that's. And there's another drink that she she orders more often, yeah. so that one tends yeah, to stick. Yeah, I gave her a fringe weaver, and I think that's the wrong one. I think it was Piano Woman. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I'm gonna have to play the game again. Mm, me too. Me too. <laughs> but yeah, I would recommend this game to like a lot of people. But if you're very dedicated to um, like serving people properly, then either definitely get this game and deal with the people you don't really like. Like in real life, I guess. Or just... Enjoy the power fantasy of being able to refuse service to people. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like, be mean, mean and evil. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Yeah, but I would recommend this game to people who have, like, the patience. It's more like a book than a game of anything. That's for sure. It definitely requires patience. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's something, like, you're going to need to want to, like, have an interest in reading a lot of slow interesting conversations if that doesn't sound fun to you you're not going to enjoy it yeah um i'd also recommend playing it slowly over several days like agreed not as many days as the game takes because the game takes place over like the course of 20 some days but like Mm. playing two or three days at a time is a really nice sort of pace and i think if you do a lot more than that then you start sort of Possibly focusing too much on progressing when you should just be enjoying what's mm. coming to you. And yeah, the, it, the mm. writing is trying to be dense rather than, but have large, sweeping, exciting narratives most of the time. It's trying to be detailed mm-hmm. and trying to be subtle in what it's doing, which is unusual. And I don't think many of us are in the habit of playing games that are built in that way. I also really recommend this to people who um, are interested in new versions of what cyberpunk looks like. And I know there are a few of them out there. Mm. Um, there, the pop culture references aren't spectacularly new or anything, and they're from the like the sorts of artifacts you totally expect them to be. But just the idea that it, it's a world that you recognise in terms of its thematics and its and its dystopian elements, but also feels very intimate in a way. Is something that we haven't seen very often or not done very well in games at least. Games like mm. nick cyberpunk for all the cool gadgetry and then forget that it's about how it matters to people. And I think this nails how yeah. like, modernity and hypermodernity matter to people in a in a such a beautiful way. So yeah, if you have any any um any interest in sci fi or just interesting character dramas, then definitely give this a, con- uh, a consideration. And if you just want to see 
queer characters that are there and just existing and their problems don't really stem from that. Like the, there's a lot of talk, talk about relationships and in more depth than you see in the vast majority of games, but there's no sort of sense of, um, of homosexual relationships being lesser or something that has to be talk, mm. talked about in hushed whispers or anything like that. It's just something that people talk about and it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Which is always just lovely to see. So, um, as you might remember from the end of last podcast, we want to drop a music recommendation at the end of these episodes. We do that just because we're all three of us are musical people and have a lot of love for music. And we want to just share things that will augment your experiences of these games or maybe continue some of the thoughts that they provoke and i think that's the idea with what the what the uh, album that i'm picking now which is an album called um genji so okoete which translates to beyond reality in english by an artist called telepath and um it is a it is an album by one of the leading lights in vaporwave vaporwave being a sort of schlonky music genre composed of artifacts of old 80s consumerist pop and music um and it is immediately the vibe that i figured out that i was entering um when i was thinking about the music from the, from the game itself that oh like it's got such a, a beautiful nostalgic quality as well as being incredibly aware of its own um fatalism almost that it's it's a music that feels like it's about modernity and about the the sort of sadness and loss and alienation that accompanies it and like i said at late late at night with a whiskey in one hand and a mouse in another clicking through these slow like steady electronic soundscapes was exactly the vibe that it evoked so yeah if you want to explore that a bit more check out telepath um and that's it from me and all of us so cheers for giving us a listen and we'll be back soon with more exciting conversations. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.